In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the And welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolak, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink. And with me, all the way from across the pond, the rock parapsychologist himself, Mr. Cal Cooper. Hi, Ron. How's it going? Okay. It's been a little while since I spoke with you. Yeah, last Tuesday, last show. There you go. So what's new and shaking in the world of uh, parapsychology? Um, All sorts, really. I've spent um, the past week really going over um, old journals because um, Steve Parsons and I, as we discussed before, we've been working on these machines that were left in the SPR office and we're taking them out one by one and revamping them, re-engineering them so we can figure out, Steve's trying to figure out the mechanics and what they do, I'm trying to figure out the psychological effect that they'd have on people. So they're mainly going through old issues of Light, which was issued by the College of Psychic Studies. It's their journal, which um, is basically as old as the Journal of uh, and the Proceedings of the Society of Psychical Research. So you're going back to the 1880s. Um, looking at different articles from people and uh, just trying to find any evidence of these psychic machines because there's various ones that keep on cropping up through time. Ooh. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Cal. Have you been taking any photos of these machines? Um, yeah, there, there will be some photos coming up. If you go on uh, Facebook and... Um, well, that's okay, that. because yeah, I would love to, you know, have you uh, bring those over here with when you're with you when you come in uh, July. Oh, definitely. I mean, I'm going to bring some slides. I'm obviously going to be doing some talks and stuff. So I'll take a photo, various photos of the lot of them and show them in slides and now explain some of the devices and stuff like that. That's no problem. I think that would be uh, absolutely uh, fascinating. Uh, I mean, these, as you said, go back to what, the 1800s? Um, some of the accounts, do, the machines that we've got hold of, the first one that we've been working on, which we're not saying too much about at the moment, there are some photos of it on Facebook, but that one's from the 1940s, um, certainly probably built just after 1941. But when I, when I found it and I, I kind of knew the gist of what it was and what it was potentially built for, I didn't want to let it go. I, I was holding on to it close. It, it was like my sort of like baby project. I, I got it from the SPR office. I had to go on London Underground with it. And I had to get back to my train and I had to get the train to the car and I had to put it in the car and drive it back to Portsmouth. So I was traveling everywhere with it, just in this sports bag, just 
wrapped in a jumper and just trying to make sure that it didn't get bumped or damaged so I could get it back here and examine it. And then I had to drive it to Pembrokeshire in uh, South Wales so um, Steve and I could look at it together. So it's well-traveled, this machine. <laughs> and have you figured out exactly what this machine is for? More or, we more or less know what this machine does. The, the only other information that we could kind of add to this is what the actual inventor of the machine could actually explain and add on, especially the theories of how it works, or, or the theory for building it and what it could potentially do. Um, but the inventor never kind of left any notes. Um, so all we had to work on was the device itself and what we know of um, the psychology of hearing perception, audio perception. That's all we've really had to go on. We've really had to dig deep for kind of um, articles, essays, presentations around the time of the 1940s that would shed any light on this particular device and why it was built as well. And it's linked in a lot with the, the interviews with Thomas Edison um, as well. And then the later seances that were held uh, by Mary Olson where in New York where she supposedly got in contact with Thomas Edison who said that he was on the other side of life with various inventors and um, uh, knowledgeable people on the other side and they were creating a telephone to contact the living. But also he said my device, the blueprints for it, are in the hands of several of my uh, lab assistants. And he also supposedly relayed through the seance, through the medium, the components that you would need to build his psychic telephone. And it appears at least at least two or three groups of people went ahead and noted down these various components and went and built a device which was meant to be Edison's, Edison's design. And so one of them is the device that we've been working on, supposedly. Oh, excellent. Uh, believe it or not, we actually have a phone call already, so... Uh... Oh. Well, we put that on, and I know we have a guest coming on, so, uh, Spooky Palooza, are you there? I am here. I hope you guys How aren't are you? sick of hearing. <laughs> I'm great. I hope I... you guys aren't sick of hearing from me already. <laughs> not at all, not at all. <laughs> I, <laughs> what can we do little, for you? I need a little help with something. Um, I've, I've always been a bit sensitive all my life, and so people have come to... Uh, ask me for help from time to time with things going on in their homes or whatnot. And I'm going into one which has a history of people getting scratched, um, very dark experiences. And I'm used to, like, the, you know, the occasional sighting of, of ghosts and whatnot, but this whole scratching thing has me a little bit uncomfortable, and I'm wondering if anybody has... Any recommendations for preparation other than, you know? Oh, well, I know Cal doesn't. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've oh, no, <laughs> Hi, Cal. No. Uh, other, than, other than a suit of armor, I don't think that's any, he'd recommend anything else, would you, Cal? You know, that did spring to mind. I thought that would be funny. No, of course not. Um, there are various things that you could do. Obviously, if um, uh, they probably looked at various explanations and so forth, but we do have to bear in mind that um, if when they're investigating this activity, it's done in the dark and people get quite sleepy, have they? Oh no, um, we're going in broad daylight. We're not doing oh, the yeah. whole ghost hunter thing. We're this is we go in broad daylight. I just go through. I kind of sense what I sense, and um, I have someone I work with that. It, it's strange. I've been I've met a lot of people in my life, both here in the U.S. and in England. I've never met anybody like this guy. His energy is. You can actually feel it when he walks in the room. It's it's odd, but um, we we work together and see what we can do to help people. And and we've 
so far, I, I, I'm up in the Lake Winnipesaukee area in New Hampshire, and um, so far around in this area, we've we seem to be helping people. I mean, maybe Good. it is psychological, but um, uh, you know, you know, uh, you know what, you know what, Spooky Palooza. Um, I think we is our guest on with us now, Cal. Do you know? Yeah, Ross should be here. Ross Bartlett, are you? I mean, are Ross Bartlett is, is is the UK's top young uh, psychic medium, and maybe he's got some advice for you. Right? Why don't we ask him? So, Ross, are you there? I am indeed. Have you uh, heard this? Uh, yes, I was listening in there. Yeah, I was indeed. Um, Do you have any yeah. recommendations for this young lady? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, there's various things that you know. In, Coming from my angle, I think that you could do. Um, I'd, I'd really be interested to know a bit more history about the place as well, given apparently that sort of activity is taking place, you know. Um, but, you know, for myself, it's I'm very, I tend to be quite skeptical of that sort of stuff as well, in a way, um, which might surprise a lot of people being a medium. Um, mm-hmm. I've done various house clearances myself and been along to a lot of places, and I've never had anything scratch me or, or seen anybody else be scratched. Oh, we take him over the wing one. I I haven't either, to to be candid, and I'm not familiar with this house. I know very little about it. I've just heard um, very nice people living there. Um, they had teenagers that did fiddle with a Ouija board. I'm not sure my opinion on that either. I'm, uh, it's kind of funny being sensitive and having seen apparitions myself. I still keep a relatively skeptical mind, but um, some things are just right in your face and you kind of avoid it. But um, but I, I don't actually know. I've, I've never I mean, you, m- you must use some type of protection when you go out, right? It's kind of a... It's kind of something that happened to me rather than something I intentionally concentrate on. And it went back to high school. I, I, I lived in a funky house. That's all I can say about that. It was a weird place. Um, but one day I saw this kind of apparition person, like, translucent right in front of me. It was and it broad daylight. My mother's in the next room. Everything's normal. I see this, this thing, and I'm told not to go in this certain area of the house, which has been kind of known for problems. And I had to go up there because my wallet was up there. And all of a sudden, I felt like somebody was somebody had put this bubble around me, for lack of a better word. It was it was like this translucent kind of pearlescent bubble, and then told me to hurry up and get the hell out of there. So I went up, I did my thing, came back. But ever since then, that's kind of what I referred. I, I, for some reason, now I just even think about it, and, and I can. I can bring it on somehow. It's odd. I, I don't know why. Well, if it's working it's for you, then there's no need to, uh, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't fix it. <laughs> right. I've, well, I just haven't, you know, everything I've always dealt with in the past has been, you know, the shadow figure, you know, the hat man I told you guys about, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, yeah. Um, stuff like that. But this whole scratching thing is like, and it hasn't been just one person. It's been quite a few. And I'm, I'm just kind of like, ooh, this is weird, different. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is, be... is you can't, you know, you shouldn't see, you, you're putting doubts in your mind to start with, so that's not a good thing right off the bat. Uh, you know, if you've been successful in what you're doing in the past and it has working for you, then you should uh, keep that. But now that you've, you've got these doubts crawling through there, uh, uh, I really... Mm, I'm not sure. Any 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 suggestions at all here, Ross, that we can uh, pump this lady up so that uh, she can be an Arnold Schwarzenegger? 
Well, you know, firstly, I think the whole, you know, mystic angle and things, it's all about intention, you know, so as long as you go in there with the right intention and a powerful, strong thought, you know, nothing's going to hurt you or scratch you, etc., then I think that's the strongest thing you can do. Um, I think like attracts like, you know, as long as you have a good energy, then, you know, there's going to be no way they can actually work in a bad way and, and be able to cause some sort of phenomena like that to you or anybody else for that matter. Um, okay. But if you want to go sort of less practical um, and straightforward like that, you know, you can use things, people use things like sage or sweet grass um, or even burning human hair if you want to go that far out. So um, those are just some ideas you could use that I said to protect you and, and drive away negative um, but I think, you know, as long as you go in with the right mindset and send out, you know, your thoughts, you know, do a prayer or whatever you like to call it to, you know, your people in the spirit world to protect you and help you, then I can't see you ever having such a problem like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So there you go. Hope that answers your question. And that's how we do that. Sounds good. All right. Good luck with it. And let us know how you make out. Yeah, <laughs> All right. We'll do Thanks, guys. Right, Thank some you. Photos. Take some photos if anyone does get scratched. Oh, take some oh, photos. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If, if I remember to do that, I haven't remembered to do that. You know what? Yet. Put I'm a band on it. I'm there with my mouth open, gobsmacked, you know? <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'll try. All right, good luck. <laughs> take care. Yes, bye. Bye-bye. Okay, so anyways, the, that's an interesting start to the show. Um <laughs> We have on the line with us, as I mentioned before, the UK's top uh, young uh, psychic medium, Mr. Ross Bartlett. And uh, Cal, you want to uh, start with this? Since you okay. know him a little better than I do. Oh, you, do you want me to explain who Ross is? Or, Ross, Absolutely. Ross, you, up. You, you are the best young psychic in the UK, the top one. <laughs> Actually, you're... You're uh, you're no longer the psychic team, or at least you won't be soon, really. I mean, you've been the psychic team for years now. Yeah, that's right. Ever since I started uh, working as a medium full time at sixteen, but yeah, that has come to an end now, um, and I'm yeah phasing through into the next sort of uh, segment of my career, I suppose. Would you have to change your title then to the, the psychic teen in his twenties? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you know, sort of. And now a lot of people are bounding around the whole Earth Angel thing, which is coming from the angle of my, my book, uh, my autobiography that I've just finished writing, uh, yeah. which is entitled that. So, you know, maybe that that's where we're going next um, on a branding. But, you know, of course, I'm, I'm just me at the end of the day and, and let my mediumship do the talking for me. So how did this all start? When was your earliest memory of having a, an unusual experience and discussing it with people? Um, earliest memory is probably about four or five years old. Uh, really? That far back? Yeah, that, that, and that's about as early as I remember. I only have a few sort of vague memories before that age. And yeah, I was upstairs and uh, just a normal night, you know, maybe about nine o'clock in the evening. Uh, I decided that I was going to uh, go downstairs because what I'd been doing was watching a television in the bedroom upstairs. Yeah. I decided to turn that off, go downstairs, and, and check out what the rest of the family was doing down there. And uh, I turned the TV off, um, and then walked back towards the door, uh, switched the light off, and then I went to close the door, um, and I remember looking back, and the television was back on. Um, and that was sort of set it, 
settled a, a cross from the bed. Um, you basically had to climb over the bed to get to the TV and then back over to get to the door. It was a tiny bedroom. And uh, I thought, I remember even at that young, young age, like being, that's not right. You know, I'm sure I turned that off and being quite perplexed by it. So I went over basically, climbed over the bed and switched the television back off. Um, again, I sort of looked at it to wait to see if it would kind of turn back on again, which it didn't for maybe about yeah. five seconds. Um, turned to my left to go back over the bed. And then and at the bottom of the bed was this lady standing there. Uh, she was sort of what I like to say Victorian dressed, um, that sort of style of clothing with a brooch pinned up on her left shoulder, lightish brown hair, very pale, uh, look thin, quite skin actually. And it was sort of done back into a bonnet at the back there. Um, I looked at her, she looked at me, um, maybe again seven, ten seconds. I was just kind of like stuck in staring i suppose um and yeah. then she sort of looked to step backwards um and as she stepped backwards she faded um and as she faded i could then once again uh, see the wardrobes that were behind her um so yeah that that was the very first experience um which i then went and told my grandmother shortly after who was living with me at the time yeah wow so at least there was some sort of acknowledgement between you and her then, so like with her looking at you and you looking at her as though she was aware of her surroundings and certainly at least you being there as well. Um, when was your first memory of maybe actually communicating and actually having a conversation, um, whether mentally or actually physically speaking to an apparition or someone that, or something that appeared before you? Sure. Um, well, we probably have to fast forward quite a long way for actually while I'm having a like a direct kind of communication. All through my childhood, the, the experiences were pretty regular, but very much sporadic in a way as well, where I didn't really have any control of them in a sense, and they would just kind of come, and it would be, I would hear thoughts um, in my mind, um, words, hear people calling my name, um, but not out loud, but internally in a strange way. Um, and yeah, seeing more things, uh, various physical experiences like objects being moved around, like a glass being moved in front of me and another family member. That was the sort of things that happened there. Um, and also right through my early childhood years and teenage years, there was um, I get a lot of visions of things that were later going to happen. Um, tended to be nothing particularly special, like, you know, it wasn't uh, a plane crash or the lottery numbers, you know. It was, uh, mm -hmm just a regular kind of day-to-day -day event, um, again, quite a random event, um, and I would later sort of see myself right bang in that um, event in the first person. Um, so that was sort of up until about 14, um, and then I started meditating on a regular basis and kind of learned to control it more, and, and that's when I started having a real strong two-way communication thing going on. Wow, yeah. And, um, and uh, oh, go ahead, Carl. Well, I, was, I was just about to say, um, you, you mentioned you, know, you didn't get anything like the lottery numbers or anything like that, but certainly... Oh, I, God, they always have to... You know how often that no, question is no, 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 I'm not criticizing. I'm, you I'm, know? Not criticizing. I'm not criticizing. I said, I know, I know you've never got the lottery numbers or anything like that, but I have been to one of Ross's um, presentations before when he's actually stood up and actually giving uh, readings to a group. And one of the main things that I've always heard from people that have attended Ross's things that they're impressed with is Ross's ability to actually 
um, pick out very specific information with people, such as road names or house numbers on the actual road names and, and so on and so forth. And I've discussed with Ross before, he's been to Egypt numerous times, and um, we did discuss the idea of, you know, if we did go into a tomb, would you actually manage to come out with uh, any names or anything like that? And I think you said, Ross, before you have been to foreign countries where you did come out with names or certain phrases from languages you weren't familiar with. Was that right? Yeah, that, that is true. That is a possibility. Um, it, you know, I, I tend to work very clairaudiently, which is like hearing telepathic thoughts, which is a big help to me on that front. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I, I have got, gathered a bit of a reputation for giving road names, uh, even at times uh, numbers, like you say, to correspond with the, the road. Um, and the best I've ever done is a full postcode with that as well, once. Wow. Uh, so yeah, um, it, it's all possible. And yeah, foreign names not too difficult all the time as long as the connection is strong enough um you know I've, I've come out with various names of indian origin muslim origin uh scandinavian origin african as well i can remember um actually i can remember because i wrote about it in my book um pretty recently um giving um an african name to a guy um in the audience at a public demonstration, um, which was his grandmother's name, um, and then yeah. actually gave the town that the family used to be connected from, which is this tiny little area, um, he said, in, in um, basically near Ethiopia. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's all possible, you know. Um, it's just a question of the connection being strong enough um, and the medium being good enough, I suppose. There you go, Ron. Everyone in the States has got this to look forward to. That's right, because we really haven't announced it yet, yet, you know. No, no, there are you, some little there are some little hints here and there, but uh, we really haven't made an official announcement. So you, you make it. You make it. <laughs> really? You do it. You do it. Okay, drum roll. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the New England Ghost Project and Ghost Chronicles is proud to announce that the UK's top team psych medium or young I, I say young from now on young psychic medium Ross Bartlett will be joining us this summer uh, here in the States and we are thrilled to have him and he will be at, at as well as Cal at uh, SpuraQuest which is going to be a really exciting time so there you go there we go <laughs> so um I think we've uh, started to discuss some sort of things that we'd be, uh, be doing, but certainly what sort of regular things do you actually do with public audiences, Ross, or, um, you know, in your day-to-day -day work as a psychic, what sort of things do you normally do? Uh, I do a lot of public evenings and mediumship, uh, mm -hmm. and, you know, I do those in churches, halls, clubs, theatres, um, pretty much everywhere, you know. Um, so I like to get out to all different kinds of audiences, that's very much, I'm very passionate about that, so... Um, then there's the private readings as well, um, and you know other things that that mix in there as well. Like I do, um, I'm a qualified hypnotherapist, so I do regressions. Oh yeah. Do you do what? Regression, uh, past life regression, um, but not oh, just that's, that. That's, uh, that means you would have to believe that there is a past life. Well, technically, it doesn't mean I have to believe it. Um, it just means somebody that. does. Yeah, it, it has, well, not necessarily, because a lot of people come for it sort of intrigued, you know, they're sort of maybe sitting on the fence and they want to have their own experience. Um, and I, I basically remain impartial. I don't really talk about my personal take on it at all to influence. Oh, really? That's kind of cool. That's that's refreshing, actually. Mm. 
Oh, I don't want to, you know, from a psychological perspective, influence their experience in any way. So um, I kind of keep my my opinions and, and so on out of it um, for their experience, basically. Wow, that is interesting. I, I know that uh, when um, uh, David Wells came over here, and of course he, he does a lot with uh, past lives, and um, he he brought one book over here and he gave that to me to try to uh, push me over the fence, as you say, but it just didn't work. <laughs> Uh, I haven't, I haven't embraced that. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I certainly entertain the thought of it, but it, it I haven't convinced. I'm more apt to believe other things than that we have past life. Let's just put it that way. But that's good. That's good to know. So that it, it very, it makes, it makes total sense that if you are doing uh, hypnotherapists and, and the person who believes. Uh, in past lives, then that's their beliefs. So that would come through, I would so. Yeah, you know, that people's experiences vary. Um, it can be quite quite intense, actually, and quite strong. Um, you know, I can think of a couple of times where they've been going through basically the end of that life. Um, for instance, one time this person was apparently being executed um, in a past life in you could you could you know see physical signs um, of him struggling through um, what he was going through um, in his mind at least uh, at that time um, and also you know I can think of times where people have been in a particular situation that's uh, where they've been cold etc and then again they start shivering they start you know their, their teeth start chattering uh, their skin color changes etc I mean correspondence to what they're living through in their mind at that time. Um, so it can be a very vivid experience for some people, that's for sure. Right. I, I, don't, I don't doubt that they are experiencing something, but is it necessarily a past life is the $64,000 question, basically. Uh, I do believe they are experiencing something or they're tapping into something, but whether um, that is a past life is the thing that I'm not convinced of. But anyways, I didn't want to really want to get into a past life discussion thing. <laughs> but um, Rush, I mean, you, you do, uh, you, we started talking a little bit how, how you do public readings and stuff too, but you also do private readings too, right? And, and, and that way you sit one-on-one -on -one with a person. And I mean, when you do these readings, is it difficult for you or is it just pretty fluent? Is it just like turning on a, a tap? Uh, well, before any sort of reading, what I do is I sort of sit down for about 20 minutes. Um, I basically set my intention, send my thoughts out, and then I go through a, a particular meditation process, um, which I think works in two ways for me now, basically. One, um, from a standpoint of getting me energetically in a better zone and a more focused zone. Um, but I think it's become uh, basically conditioned into my mind because I do believe that the mind of a medium has to be in a particular place and maybe even they're losing a particular area of the brain um, that helps in the uh, communication take place. And I think where well, I've repeated this pattern so much now, um, it's programmed into my mind just to slip into it very easily. Um, it's basically a conditioned response. Um, so I think it works those two ways to me. Um, and then I'm pretty much good to go, ready to do it um, for as long as I want to do it. Um, when I finish, I kind of just naturally settle out of that sort of zone and gear. Um, as to, is it difficult? Well, that again really can depend on the communication itself. Um, 
I don't like mediums making excuses for somebody having bad energy or not enough energy. Mm -hmm. I think you can get over that and work with that. And that's just a part of mediumship. Okay, we'll, we'll continue with that after the break. We're going to have to take a little break right now. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojinet and on Pararex Radio, Ghost Channel and beyond. And uh, with the rock uh, psycholo parapsychologist, Mr. Cal Cooper, and New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and our special guest, Rod, Ross Bartlett. And we'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so Ann, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like, uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these Cemetery Tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. So anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Anne and Ron. See you then. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Cal Cooper in New England's own Val Van Helsing. Uh, Get your teeth Kulik. back in, Ron. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right here on uh, Pararex, Tojinet, Ghost Channel, and beyond. And our very special guest is Mr. Ross Bartlett. But, uh, Cal, you've never, have you seen the, uh, the little promo we have for the Ghost Chronicles Next Generation show on the uh, show page of... Uh, uh, I saw um, a video once of you advertising stuff. I, I don't know if there's a new thing up, but I certainly haven't seen it. If there is, there's a new one that Anna and I shot at the Collinwood Inn, and when we did a, a little stunt up there, and uh, it was pretty good. And when you come over here, we're actually going to have to shoot one ourselves so that we have our promo on our own page. So that that will yeah. be fun. Yeah, definitely. I'll have to check that out then. So that's Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. Right, and that's on Tojinet. Okay. That's the show page on Tojinet. Uh, okay. So anyways, Russ, we were talking a little bit, and you were telling how you prepare yourself for personal readings. And I mean, do you ever get people who, like, almost fight you for a reading? In other words, they, they don't like what you, you have to say? 
Um, I wouldn't say I've ever had anybody that doesn't like what I have to say. So as long as you're getting the information right, then there's not much they can dislike, really, uh, unless mm-hmm. they're just ignorant, you know, and arrogant. But no, I've, I've never. Really uh, come like, there's none of that out there. Of course, there isn't. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be silly. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, you know, of course there is to some extent, but yeah. you know, if you're getting the information right, they can't really do anything much, can they? You know, unless they're really going to lie, um, or you know, and and in a day they just end up making themselves look a bit silly. Um, if it's in a public scenario, of course, um, and if it's in a private way. Chances are they probably haven't come to be that way. Um, you know, I've, I've read loads of skeptics, don't get me wrong, um, but they're not, you know, if I'm getting it right, then they're going to accept it, you know, and, and that's really what they're looking for. Um, of course, they're, they might be skeptical, but they're happy to be proved wrong or happy to be proved that there is something over on the other side. So, I mean, have you had people come in that, that basically try to debunk you or, or anything, you know, on purpose? Um, not really that that strongly, you know. For instance, I can remember reading a radio show presenter um, not too long ago down down where I live, who was actually um, Muslim of origin um, and had a Muslim community radio show, um, and he basically invited me to come on the show. Um, but he made it a point that he had to have a reading beforehand, um, just before I was due to go on air. Um, said he was very much skeptical and didn't really believe in anything I did, but was just interested. He said he looked up reports online about me, and I was actually really surprised um, of the various testimonies that he could find and the media coverage um, coverage I've gained and that they've been good reports as well. So he said he thought he'd give me a go. Um, But I could very much tell from his attitude that basically depending on how well the reading went, um, we very much change um, my interview with him afterwards and what he was going to say, how he was going to act and be. Um, oh, and that's he, cool. He, he appeared, you know, kind of very skeptical in, um, in, in body language and everything, you know. So, um, but like I say, I, I did the reading for him um, and now he, he believes in the afterlife, you know. Um, there was various pieces of information that came through. Um, Again, foreign names as it happens there, you know, which all made sense to him. His father's name, his uncle's name, his grandfather's name, mm-hmm. uh, aunt's name. Um, and also something that was um, more unique and, and significant to him um, and seemed to really kind of um, change his demeanor in the reading um, was when uh, his mother basically started to come through. Um, and I said that I've got this lady here and uh, it's coming on a mother-type connection, I feel. Um, and I said uh, something a bit unusual. Um, I'm getting that she would have passed due to some sort of an impact, basically, and very quickly due to an impact. Um, and he said, yeah, that, that makes perfect sense because my mother died a couple of years ago now and she was hit by a van and died instantly on the impact. Um, so obviously that's, you know, like... I, Found, well, he certainly found that quite evidential. Um, mm. There was nothing to give me an indication his mum was even over there. He wasn't a particularly old guy. He was probably early 30s. Um, and uh, indeed that she'd passed in such circumstances. Um, so yeah, it was very evidential for him. And, and he'd actually, his sister later on came to have a reading. Um, and again, you going on what we've discussed so far, um, 
the road name actually came through that his father used to live in, which was Clovelly Road. Um, I remember right. So, um, you know, very evidential stuff, which was able to prove to both of them that, you know, life continues and that their uh, relatives are very much still around them. And, and due to that, he gave me a good interview afterwards, you know. But uh, I said, mm. that's about as close I've come to having somebody that's like kind of looking almost in a way to, to do that. You know, Cal, we we actually have a golden opportunity here with with Ross coming over. I mean, uh, he's coming to a different country totally, you know, so he knows very little bit about uh, the people who he will be meeting. Is there a, perhaps a, a questionnaire or something that we can, or you can design as a parapsychologist, uh, that we can use and, and kind of use it in in some type of research? Oh, I've told Ross everything about you, Ron. Well, not me. <laughs> no, um, well, we, we could devise different things. I mean, um, Ross is very used to doing the, the sittings and so forth. So we, we could have a questionnaire, which is basically feedback from the sitters. Right, Just to see exactly. how, how consistent they um, thought Ross to be. I mean, um, Ross, you're, you're, not, you're not intimidated by any of this, are you, Ross? No, no, I'm... I'm I'm cool for everything, you know, that's the point of me doing what I'm doing. If I wasn't willing to be tested and, and mm. reach people publicly and and work with things at a more scientific level, what's the point of me doing it? You know, I, I hate to say that word tested because in reality it's it's really not a test. It's just data gathering is the way I look at it. Oh, yeah. Because we totally don't understand... Uh, you know, mediumship and everything. We we have no clue uh, about the other side. If you know, if it exists, even. Uh, but even if it exists, we have no clue what the rules are on the other side. So, um, you know, I really hate that word test, but to, to data gathering, I, I think is a is a good definition of what I would like to do, anyways. Absolutely. There's a few things, as I say, that we could do, and we'll have a think and then kind of um, put it in action, really. Um, I, I even did something similar with Dr. Matthew Smith when I was just doing cold readings and Barnum scripts, and I told the audience that when they had a private reading with me, I'm just a psychologist, I, I don't claim any psychic abilities, but, you know, here's the reading and here's what it is, make of it what you will. And he was, Dr. Matthew Smith, was actually trying to become psychic. and um, presenting Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, presenting psychic abilities and also doing readings. So basically, at the end of the day, we just did a general thing of comparing, saying, you know, how successful we thought each other's readings were and kind of made brief notes or um, remembered some of the feedback that we gave us, uh, they gave us there, there and then. So we could have an actual physical thing where they could just write down different things in different sections that just ask them different questions about the, the overall reading. But going back to something Ross mentioned earlier about, you know, um, difficult sitters and some people could be outright outright lying when it comes to exactly. the, fee the, the feedback they get. Um, you know, they, they could say, no, that doesn't relate to me. No, that doesn't relate to me. That's why it's I don't like to call it a test. I like to call it data gathering. So, I mean, you know, we can just certainly devise what did you expect or something before you went into the reading so that we can get a, you can get a feel. I mean, you have a friend that's, uh, well, you're in psychology, so that you, you know how to uh, phrase the questions so that you can get the intent of the person. Yeah, totally. Uh, what, I, what I was getting at, Ron, was that um, some people might be kind of denying the feedback that they get because they might be so skeptical about it they don't want to let on to the psychic. That oh, yeah, absolutely. Actually, something's been made of it. But me and Ross were discussing some examples of this recently, and not only do we see it from 
um, psychics giving readings. It's in any situation where we have this sort of demand characteristic where someone is demanding something from you, some feedback. And I've had it in um, psychology when we've been doing tests of the sense of being stared at and whether you can actually sense that someone is staring at the back of your head. When we've done some laboratory trials of it, we've had some very difficult participants in the past where they don't raise their hand at all or acknowledge that they're being stared at and they'll sit through 50 trials in a chair blindfolded not moving at all and you have to go in and check that they're okay saying well you do realize the experiment started and they went yeah and they just didn't acknowledge being stared at or even guessing whether they were or weren't being stared at they were just being very difficult as to not acknowledge whether any psychic abilities were going on well well, see uh, there's a solution for that cal we just we just the uh, you know Bill Murray method of uh, parapsychology, and, and we shot the, them. <laughs> we shot the shit out of them. <laughs> That's one way. Oh God, that'd be tempting. But uh, <laughs> one, exa- <laughs> one example Ross gave me. He gave a, a reading. You remember discussing this, Ross? And you said the guy was answering no just about to everything that you kind of put forward, or the, the lady. I've forgotten whether it was a man or a woman. But then afterwards, they came to you privately to say that you got so many things quite right about them. Yeah, um, I do remember that, and that can happen. In particular, that that example is in a private, uh, sorry, public um, scenario, and sometimes they don't want to let people know too much into their private circumstances for various reasons. Um, that has come up maybe a couple of times where they've come up afterwards and they've said, "Hey, I, I didn't want to admit it for X, Y, and Z." Um, for instance, uh, uh, you know, there, there's an example that we might be talking to uh, a lady in the audience and we're talking about a child um, that has passed over. And then um, and I say, you know, I've got this child here that I think, you know, was your child, so on, and give this information over about the child. And she goes, no, no I don't know anything about that. Um, I've had, yeah. I've, this is a real example, basically she came up after that, um, she said she, she, like the other parts in the reading she accepted, but not that one bit, but I, it was really, really strong, and it was like they really wanted her to know that, so, but she came back after, um, when she wasn't with her partner there, he'd gone, um, it was actually in the interval, um, and uh, she came to see me, and she said that was actually all correct, but she didn't want to admit it in front of her partner because she never spoken about it to her part, her current new partner now, basically. Um, um, and it involved, obviously, a lot of personal things. Um, so she didn't want it to, to come out like that, basically. Um, so hence her, her doing that. But that's, you know, you can't avoid that here and there. But it, it's something that's quite uncommon. Yeah, certainly. I think a point needs to be made as well when we're talking about you know gathering, say data there, etc. Is each reading as well is quite different from the next. Um, it's something that can seem more evidential, um, whereas other readings can be more uh, personal about the person receiving the reading than somebody over on the other side of life. You know, mm-hmm. um, one example can be a, a reading that is actually on my website right now for people to look at. A recent private reading I did. Um, where this guy who sat on the fence again, he came to see me. Um, his grandfather came through and communicated. During the course of the whole reading, um, we ended up getting through his grandfather's full name, um, where his grandfather worked. She was in the army when he was younger, and then he worked in a mill when he was older for the rest of his life after leaving the army. And all that information came through um, where the current recipient worked as well. Um, and indeed the road name where he lived. Um, so all that very kind of evidential information came through, a lot of evidence about the grandfather and so on, uh, his personality as well. But that's the way that one went. 
uh, then like a couple of readings on, I did another reading, um, and that was a lot more about personal circumstances, a lot more on an emotional level, and what about what the lady had been going through, um, and more um, about very much her past um, instead of somebody on the other side of life. Um, and indeed, I think it was her grandmother, if I remember right, who came forward, and I think we did again get her name, but it was a lot less about the grandmother and more about the recipient. So. Readings can vary depending on that as well and, and vary in impactfulness to the onlooker um, due to that as well, of course. Um, and sometimes, you know, something can seem very random, but it's very significant to the recipient. Um, like I, I remember giving a camel to one lady. Uh, <laughs> I know it's like you think, well, and uh, it turned out to be the most significant thing she, really anybody could probably convey to her. Um, because her mother had passed over um, about a year beforehand, and it was basically their password they came up with. Um, and the mum believed in the afterlife, her daughter was sort of semi-believing, and she said, you know, go see a medium, if I'm there, I'll come back, um, and I'll communicate through. And they came up with this idea that mum was basically gonna try and get the medium in some way to mention the word camel um, as a password, basically, to say that that was really her. Um, and the medium is not just chucking all the random crap and rubbish at them. Um, and um, yeah, I saw this camel, said it to her, and, and the lady basically burst out into tears straight away because it obviously meant that much to her. Um, but to somebody sat in the audience, you might think, well, what's that about a camel? You know, um, you wouldn't know the true significance of it um, unless you got that feedback, of course, which is what we were discussing now with obviously getting data feedback there. We actually have a question for you, and, and speaking about uh, readings and stuff, uh, Ghost Girl from the chat room wants to know, can you do remote readings? So I, I assume by remote reading, she'd probably like a telephone reading or something like that, or, or, or can you do, I mean, I don't know, you tell me. I, I think anything is possible. Um, I would say I can't do it um, for that reason. And, and Basically, I, I explain how I can do what I do in a sense through quantum physics and, and various quantum theory. Um, and I look at quantum entanglement, basically, um, as giving us an indication that everything in our universe that was here is here now and whatever else is energetically linked together. Um, for instance, they did a study involving electrons to get to that theory and point where once they had um, two electrons that were part of one single particle, um, they separated those electrons out, they took them away from each other. But whatever they did to one instantaneously affected the other one, which showed somehow information was being transferred from one electron to the other instantaneously. Um, so obviously what they came up with, well, there's some connection energetically still between the two. Hmm. Uh, and if you take that on a, a bigger scale, um, what modern science would suggest is we um, were all once, and everything in our universe was once a part of one single particle about the size of a green pea um, that has now expanded out to form our universe and everything in it, etc. Um, and hence, we were all once entangled and part of one same particle. Um, so in turn, should just like those two electrons still be energetically connected together in some fashion. And that's how I believe um, a medium can telepathically communicate to another spirit or even somebody still in a physical body uh, because that energetic connection is always there. I quite often get asked, well, just how, how does that connection work? How do you connect to them? I say, well, it's always there. I basically just tap and tone my mind into it and focus into it. Um, and in turn, the spirit communicating tries to do that back to me. 
Um, so the answer to that, in short, would be yes, and, and that's why. Have you been um, reading my book? <laughs> You're quoting well, me. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and for those who don't know, Cal Cooper has a book called Telephone Calls from the Dead, which he will be bringing with him when he comes over here in July. Mm-hmm. Yep, I will be. Uh, when's also, uh, Ross has the book coming out as well. <laughs> oh, he does. What's your, yeah, what's your title again, Ross? It's it's Earth Angel, um, published by Octopus International Publishing Group, and it's down right now for February release next year. So we won't get it in this year, but you know maybe next year. Um, but I'll certainly be talking about it while I'm out there and, and what's in the book, etc. Um, Could yeah. people pre-order it from your website? Um, they will be able to shortly. Yep. Excellent, excellent. I've been looking at your website as well and the new photographs as well, and I have to ask you the question, do you have to beat fans off with a stick? <laughs> <laughs> Only girls. If, if people don't get that reference, Ross no, has got no. a new photo range of his modelling skill <laughs> on his website. Okay, yeah, what's, what's with all the tats? All right, I, you went down that road, so I'll open it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, do they? They must mean something to you because you wouldn't do it otherwise, right? Sure. Yeah. Definitely. I'm not going <laughs> to spend the rest of my life right without a reason. Yeah. They all. They all have some significance to me. Most, well, pretty much all of them in some way, coming from a spiritual angle or perspective. Um, on, for instance, on my neck, um, there is the ankh, which is the symbol for eternal life. So that obviously kind of speaks for itself. Above that, you have um, the Om symbol, uh, which is Sanskrit, uh, which is basically the frequency or vibration of um, a universal consciousness, God, or create, whatever you want to call it that. Um, I prefer the term universal consciousness um, or infinite flux of energy. Um, then on my left neck, you have the Eye of Horus, which is an, again, an Egyptian symbol, which is about wisdom seeking, um, inner vision, knowledge, so on like that. Um, above that is a pentacle, um, which is a symbol basically of the four elements and the spirit, uh, which is obviously what I see was being made up of, the four elements and the spirit, so that's what that represents to me. Um, then my arms, you have uh, left arm, uh, vines and leaves, which is about our connection to everything here, the earth. Um, and then my right arm, stars, which represents our connection to everything else, the universe, so on, um, the etheric world. On my uh, back, I have the wings, um, angel wings, which is basically due to their angel messenger connotations. Um, I think if there was such a thing as a modern day angel, then I suppose a medium would be about as close as you could get to it. Um, so hence, that, that's what that represents, um, being a messenger for the spirit world, basically. Um, on my left arm, I have Yiddish, uh, which is language obviously derived from Hebrew. That is about consciousness creating reality. It's about the messages I want to send out to the universe um, and in turn get back. Again, sort of quantum theory type stuff. Um, and I want, I'm just about to hopefully get in, on my back in between the, uh, the wing design. Um, basically an image taken from the CERN bubble chamber, um, which is, wow. uh, I don't know what that is. is uh, it's an image taken of um, a root subatomic particles take through a particular space. Um, CERN is a research um, facility in uh, Switzerland, and um, basically they're, they're very much into the subatomic world. That's where you probably heard, most people I wouldn't have heard of it due to the recent Hydron Collider um, experiments. Um, and I want to basically take that image, put it on my back, um, and that is to represent uh, 
Uh, again, I think it's the closest thing you could basically get to drawing um, a spirit world or an etheric world, basically, what we're really made up of, in essence, um, So, or energy, for that matter. So that, that's what that one would represent when that arrives shortly, which may be in time for me coming out to see you guys, actually. And doing it. For, the, for those listening who are going to Spirit Quest, Ross will be doing a whole workshop on his body. <laughs> explaining various parts and what they're for. <laughs> you know, I, I've had people ask me to do the same thing. People have asked the same thing? Uh, yeah, of me, right. They, they can't believe that stuff is so old and it's still working. <laughs> oh, God. Well, I mean, that, that that's really cool because, you know, I saw all attached and I, and I said, there's got to be some explanation uh, other than they look cool and what, but, uh, and, and thanks for uh, going through that for me. I appreciate that. No worries, no worries. Uh, I thought I might as well go the whole mile considering that. will <laughs> <laughs> type it up for you, Ron. There yeah. you go. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I, I got to uh, ask you when, it, when you come over here because uh, do you ever see like spirits that hang around people? What you mean, sort of just dossing about having a cup of tea? That's the one. <laughs> uh, no, about about you know sp you know spirit guides or the, the yeah. people that spirits that follow spirits. People, blah blah. Can I speak English? I'll try. <laughs> Nothing again. Like anything's possible. Um, it very much varies. Like, I, I don't control who who comes to me and communicates to me. Really, you know, I can ask, um, mm -hmm. and that's about the best I could do uh, in relation to controlling anything. Um, I tend to deal more with people's relatives all the time because particularly over in the UK that's what people want where we're very much people like the evidential side of it they want something they can recognize and say oh yeah well that is my grandfather or my mum or my brother or my friend whoever um, so I don't spend a lot of time talking to other people's guides or helpers or angels okay. whatever. so but when you if you go into a haunted location uh, will you pick up on the spirits that are there yeah, of course, you know, um, if they're in that area, then I'm, I'm going to naturally pick up on them a bit like a, an antenna in a sense, you know, I'm going to pick up on that energetic signal and be able to convey that through in a similar way. Um, so, yeah, that that's, you know, just as easy, really, um, as communicating with a, a spirit that isn't located to a particular building. Um, and again, I, I should be able to come out with similar information, names and, and various facts like that. Oh, that's pretty cool. So I, I know that one of the events that we're going to be doing in Spirit Quest on uh, July 27th uh, through the 29th is a psychic versus science ghost hunt, which is intriguing. Not, I don't think we've ever had them here in the U.S., and uh, I know Nari was instrumental in, in uh, designing this for us, so uh, uh, it's going to be kind of neat. Uh, we're going to have... Uh, uh, Cal and myself leading the scientific team, and uh, although I don't know what I would be, I don't know, should I be in the scientific team or should I be in my own team? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, and then we're going to have Ross leading the psychic team, so it, it's going to be uh, kind of cool. And then we're, we're going to actually compare evidence at the end of the night uh, from each of the everybody's experience and who had the greatest experience was the who collected the most evidence was the psychic team or the science team you could you could have the k2 team run oh thanks <laughs> <laughs> 
Are you kidding me? You're going to hate everything I do. No, 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 no. You could just have a group of people that are all using K2s, and then I'll go off using some other equipment and just tell me how well the K2 did when you all come back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, uh, I heard the bell. That means the pizza's here, and we've got to wrap it up. So, uh... I didn't hear the bell. Well... Didn't go through my... Oh. Such a shame. I know. So, Ross, uh, your, um... Your website, I believe, is rossbottletrealmedium.com. Is that correct? That's correct. So that's R-O-S-S-B-A-R-T... L-E-T-T-R-E-A-L-M-E-D-I-U-M, medium.com. RossSpotlitMedium.com. Something's going to be smaller than that. That's way too long. Anyways, uh, do you have any events coming up there in the UK? Yeah, all the time. Just got back from some events in London. Um, I think, uh, I'm not sure. I think the next one is again London, actually. So, um yeah, constantly on the go here with uh, public dems, private readings, and sorting out the final stages of the book and planning book tour next year. All right. Ross, what about you? Got anything coming up you want to add? Or? You just spoke to Ross. Oh, whoever you are. <laughs> oh, dear. Your memory's going wrong. <laughs> what do you mean going? It's been gone a long time. I got that Anheuser disease. <laughs> I, I've got loads of uh, projects coming up and some more talks. Um, I think next Thursday I'm uh, speaking in London to the Society for Psychical Research on some of the research that I've been doing with telephone call experiences and the talk that I'll be giving is basically the research methods that I used and the full data analysis. Um, so books will be available on there. Apart from that, loads of little projects that are ongoing and some more talks coming up in the future um, up till Spirit Quest. There you go. There we go. So uh, we're really excited about it, and I, I, I can't wait to get my paws on your your uh, little book so I can tear it. I mean, read it. Uh, <laughs> and, and as promised, when you come over here, I will have Mr. Richard Felix books for you. I'm still looking forward to Toilet Ghost, which is writing at the moment, supposedly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So anyway, it's time to wrap it up. Uh, Ross, we want to thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, I really look forward to meeting you and uh, Cal in uh, person, so it's going to be kind of cool. Uh, hopefully I can teach you all a different path of, that you're following now, but, you know, hey. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for talking, guys. Look forward to meeting you too, Ron. Ron, you're affecting me with it. I told Ron. you. Yeah. yeah. All right. So until next time, uh, you've been listening to Ghost Chronicles of the National Law. I told you that. From ghouls to ghosts, long-legged beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord. In its quest to provide.